1 John 5 through 10. Uh, This is what I'm going to start with, and this actually does have something to do with rats, rot, and rage. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Uh, Just a quick prayer. Lord, uh, anything that comes out of your word is going to bless someone. And I want to ask for you to assemble my thoughts the uh, the way you did earlier today and yesterday, that what comes out of out of this mouth would be like your words and not like my own opinions and emotions and thoughts because your ways are higher than our ways, your thoughts higher than our thoughts. You are first and foremost for us being able to remove obstacles from our lives, to be able to reach through this veil the, the veil of distraction, the veil of deception, the veil of our own flesh, and be able to engage with you and with your spirit. Amen. So I had to tell that rat story uh, because it is warm-up, because it is one of my favorite stories, but just like that thing, uh, there are things that you just can't ignore. And we've heard this scripture over and over if we've been walking with the Lord, you know, confess your sins to one another. Uh, But there are, like there's only so many things that you can confess and you start to feel like, uh, I confess these things again and again and again and it just, it ain't gonna go away. And that's the the things that sometimes the Lord leaves us with. But there are also patterns that we have. And in the men's group that we have on Tuesday nights, we've been going over this for years. You have patterns of sin. You have patterns where you get yourself into these situations and you find you're running into the same thing over and over. You also have... uh, Obviously, everybody's had things happen to them as a kid that made you the way you are. Uh, And those things don't go away either. And why the Lord doesn't take some things away but allows other things is a mystery. But I tell you this, and I am convinced of it, that he doesn't want us to go through it alone. He wants us to go through it with the church. He wants us to go through it um, together. He wants us to cover each other's weaknesses and this is really my, my hobby horse. This is the pony I ride around the room all the time. Uh, anyone 
any of your construction worker friends or your Microsoft friends, anyone that says, I just experience God out in the wilderness. Yes, that's true, but you're not going to experience the love of God that comes through his fallible people and their expression of the love of Christ. So uh, here's a, here's a, here's a, a kind of a, an illustration of, of stuff that's hard to get out of you. So a few weeks ago... Um, uh, I discovered some rot on some beams. So this house that we're working on, you see these big beams up here that go across this way and those other ones that go across that way. So the front of this deck we were working on had some beams about as big as what the screen is hanging off of. And this was existing and they had had where the beam connections were, they had these big steel, we call them buckets, and uh, this house was probably remodeled. This, had, this front deck area was built in the 90s, and they never did anything about it. And so where these beams sat in these steel buckets, they were completely rotted out. Now, we had thought that we dealt with it weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and uh, we did. We replaced a couple of posts, and we did the work. Uh, I got some young guys that we work with, and that's just what you do. My job as we go through a remodel is to identify the structural weaknesses and just take care of them, and that's what we do. You replace it or you reinforce it, right? Uh, and, and, and as I'm blathering on, I want you to think, I'm not just telling this uh, to talk about construction and rot, but I'm telling this to, uh, for you to overlay this with how we are with each other as uh, a church as people that are side by side and connected and where we make connections and, and what damages those connections. And it's kind of uh, what anyone who has done remodels will know is that all of the greatest generation, our grandfathers who came and did all these remodels and then just decided, I'm going to do whatever I want. Rain isn't going to affect this. And any time you have a connection where a beam sits on top of a post or two beams are nailed together, sistered we call them, where you take two by 12s. Uh, I don't see any here to describe them, but just take big long boards and you nail them together for strength. Well, if those are outside and they get wet constantly, that's where they're gonna rot. And what starts out super strong ends up being the weakest part of your house because there's no way for it to ever dry. And uh, so all of you weekend warriors, just keep that in mind. Don't ever sandwich two boards together that are gonna be out in the weather, right, Dave? Thank you. So, uh, so I was fixing this, uh, and the way I discovered it was we were getting ready to paint and I'm pulling nails, and, and as I'm pulling nails out of the remaining stuff, I realize this thing, wait a second, this, this six by six post that's connected to one of these big beams sounds like a drum. And I'm taking my hammer, and you tap on it, you tap on it, you know how kind of you do when you're at home and you're looking for a stud and you're tapping on the wall, tap, 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 tap. And that's what it sounds like. Well, this, 
So I take my pick and I dig it in there and I realize this thing is completely hollow. Somebody, the previous homeowner before they sold it, had used Bondo. You know what Bondo is. It's a wood filler. And they completely Bondoed this post and painted it. So it looked perfect. And I hadn't thought anything of it. But then I started, uh, I just, okay, this has got to come out. I cut the post off and pull it out. And it's like a hollow tree. It's rotten down about 16 inches. It's completely hollow. Looked good. It looked fine. But looks can be deceiving. It looked stout. It, it looked sturdy. It, it looked fine. And you see where I'm going with this. In our body, and especially if you're a pastor or somebody who's in a place where they have more and more responsibility in the church, you can look sturdy, stout. You can look fine. But uh, I think we've seen this over and over and over. You can't let yourself, or as a parent or as a as a supervisor at work, you can't let yourself get to the point where you've allowed this rot to go unchecked again and again and again. Oh, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. Whether it's, whether it's friction between, um, between coworkers or whether it's, you know, a bitterness that's building because... You know, you're supposed to have, uh, you know, a, a meeting with your supervisor to talk about a raise, and that thing never happens. Like, that thing goes over and over, and you start to feel like, do they even care? Uh, I mean, in the church, it happens because, you know, your pastors will just work and work and work and work and work, and you're part of a machine pretty soon, and you feel like you can't show weakness, and that's a real bad place to go. Um, tell me, just I want to see who here has been listening to Christianity Today's, the podcast, Christianity Today, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. One, two, yeah. Okay, so it tells the story of Mars Hill, which basically uh, grew up so fast to thousands of people, and it collapsed almost overnight. Um, seven or eight parts now, and uh, it's fascinating because the story that's asked over and over is why do we keep putting leaders in place like this? Why do we as the congregation allow it? How do we let that happen? And there were a few conclusions drawn, but one of the conclusions was, well, it looks good, it looks stout, it looks fine. It's got a fresh coat of paint. How could it be, how could it be wrong, Matt? And I think you see the, the, the error in that. I don't know that, uh, that the pastor of Mars Hill would have listened to anybody, and I don't know that, that myself would listen to people, but we still have to be able to even if it seems intimidating, we have to be able to speak into other people's lives. So um, we carpenters, uh, we always get splinters. Uh, Dave, what's the biggest splinter you've ever had in your hands or in your legs or in your arms? Just like three inches long all the way through? 
You just yank it out, right? Carefully. Ian, what's the biggest splinter you've ever had? Okay, what's the biggest splinter? This is competition. What's the biggest splinter you've ever had that was buried and you couldn't get it out and you just had to leave it until it pussed up so you could get it out? half an inch long. Well, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's like that. So I was moving some pallets of all things. And as I was dropping this pallet down off of this, uh, this railing, the back of the pallet there, it's all splintery wood and it just dug a splinter right into between my knuckles. It was this one. <laughs> and I couldn't get it out. I broke off most of it. And I'm like, well, I guess it's just there. And it was six months. And that thing was a nub. It looked like I had, it looked like I had a knuckle in between my knuckles. It was so swollen. And then one night I'm just like, well, I've got anything to do. I'm all bored. So I take a needle and that's what you do. You just take a needle and you start digging, 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 digging. It doesn't hurt. It's like giving yourself a tattoo, right? So I'm digging this big bleeding hole in between my knuckles and I, oh, I see it. And so you squeeze it really hard and it'll rear its head, right? Because the, the thing is straight into your skin. I'm watching Debbie to see how graphic <laughs> I can get. So you squeeze it super hard and it'll come up. I was finally able to grab it and I pulled it out and it was a quarter inch long and it was just sticking straight down in there. And it was just... It was just so wonderful. It just felt so glorious to be free of this, this extra knuckle that I had. Well, I want to say that a good conversation between Christians, like whether it happens at your home group or whether it happens at our men's group, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's kind of like that because... Um, me just praying by myself and confessing my sins. There is, of course, forgiveness, uh, but it's not enough sometimes. I'm not saying that Jesus isn't enough, but it's, again, it's pretty frustrating when it's just the same thing over and over. How many times do I confess? Well, he wants you, of course, to love him with your mind, right? And one of the things about loving him with your mind is recognizing your patterns, your patterns of sin. Okay, yeah, I confess my sin, but I didn't confess the fact that I set myself up for this. And if I see the same thing happening over and over, why do I continue to let that pattern happen? Why don't I change something? Is it not within my power? And is it not within my power to talk to my friends or my coworkers and just say, Next time this happens, can we go about it this way? And you just kind of talk it through. This is, this, is, this is how you stay married. It's how, you, it's how you have coworkers that you have, you know, like, okay, what are we going to do next time so we don't nearly kill ourselves? You talk it through, right? So the, the men's group, the good conversation uh, and this is, this is where I want to go down a, a little bit more granular. Uh, in the last 18 months, I have gotten more angry quickly, more quickly 
uh, and more often than, than any other time that I can remember. Um, the things that have been happening over the last 18 months have been a repeat of things that happened to me as a kid, as a young man, and the conversation, I, I needed to talk those things through. I needed to come and sit with, with Ian and with Jameson. Dor would sometimes come, um, Andy Hirschman. I talked to Craig several times about these things. And I knew I was the one that was a little bit crazy because, I mean, Mike and, Mike and I are similar in temperament, but Mike would just say, you know, it's easy. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I hate it, but it doesn't bother me, this certain aspects. And I just thought, why am I so bothered, right? But it really took a lot of patience, especially on Debbie's part. It took a lot of patience for her to endure the kind of assault that I would be uh, not uh, almost directing at her because it's like the people closest to you are the ones that suffer the most from the connection, right? And this is interesting to go back to the, the beam on the post. Um, wherever the connections are is where it's going to rot out first. And you have to really protect those things. And, and here's another thing is when you go, like when I was talking about fixing this thing, I couldn't just knock the post out, chop all the rod out. I had to support it somehow. It needed extra support. I had to put up extra posts, extra structure. And that has been really hard. I've done it, but it's been really hard over the last several months is I needed, because all the other coping mechanisms or many of the other coping mechanisms that you've had over the last 18 months went away. We were isolated. We were, um, we were silenced if we had doubts. Uh, we were scared because we didn't know what was going on. Uh, we were continually fed fear porn. And that's traumatizing. And uh, it can make people act very strange. Vero uh, talked to me about, uh, can I talk about your fear of snakes? Yeah. So Vera... Vero has a phobia of snakes. And she said, it's so bad. I love this story about her. She was in a car. Is this correct? In a car or driving? You were driving. And she passed a snake on the road and got so panicked she had to pull over. Is that correct? Any sense. Now that doesn't make any sense, but it speaks to phobia. And to do the Calvary thing where I'm, I'm gonna illustrate an illustration, there was another guy that I worked with. This was a tile guy. Uh, he was working in a bathroom. We were at a cabana right down on Lake Washington. This was a few years ago. And this is where I really learned 
A phobia, a, a, a fear of snakes is a real thing. I found a garter snake outside and I picked it up and I just walked in. Hey man, I think you dropped this outside. <laughs> He's like, yeah, and he, he throws all his stuff and I have never seen a man Jameson size try to crawl up a wall and climb out a window. And it was amazing because I was just like, okay, I'm taking it out, man. Don't worry. You don't have to. It was awesome. But I really learned a good lesson. When people are super scared, uh, they do really strange things. Okay. So pull that back in to the, the, um, the sinful patterns that we have, the praying for each other, the trying to dig out these splinters. I mean, you all know that sometimes uh, when you are digging out a splinter or say you got one in your foot as a kid, you can't get that out yourself. You have to have somebody else do it, somebody with better eyes. And that's a perfect illustration about having people speak into your life and help you to draw these things out. But it's not just, um, it's really sophomoric to say, well, I just need, a, I just need a, an accountability partner. Well, as, as one of our buddies said one time, I'm just going to lie to the guy. I'm just going to lie to my accountability partner and say, no, I wasn't doing this, this, and this, and this. I'm good. But the fact is, is we have to... Uh, we have to recognize, okay, I have been in this mindset before. Um, I've been angry at the person that I'm closest to, angry at my, at my kids. I've been angry at a situation with work. And my default is to punish people. Revenge. I want somebody to pay for how bad this is in my own heart. You know that's not good. Um, give me a second here. Romans. Okay. In Romans, after he talks about offering your body as a living sacrifice, uh, after he says, be transformed, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, and especially for you men, you know, the pattern of this world is um, maybe not so much anymore, but it's be strong, be strong because you have to go to work or whatever, but it, it's a lot for moms and, and wives too. Be strong because it's not gonna get done unless you do it. And that's a rough place to be, but, but that's not where we have to live. It says, the apostle says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought 
don't think you're strong. Don't think you can't be weak. Don't think you can't completely fall apart. And don't think you can do it on your own. That is my point here. We, each of us, if you got two good friends, the day they put you in the ground, then you're, that's a win, right? We got to cultivate friendships as hard as it is. We got to be a friend. We got to have somebody who we can talk to, somebody that is not afraid to call us on the carpet and just say that, ah, that's, you know, let me pray for you because your attitude stinks. Don't think of yourself any more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And and, and listen to this. We all have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. And then he goes on to list the gifts. I'm totally convinced that every single one of you has a gift. And if you don't think that you have a gift, um, if you don't think you have something to offer, then just like I was having a conversation with team this morning, she's feeling tippy, like, oh, I'm not getting enough sleep and it's making me feel a little crazy. Well, if, if, if what's in your mind is, I don't think I have anything to offer, then that day you're the patient. You're the one who needs somebody to come alongside of you. But if you are around your coworkers, your family, and you're feeling pretty good, just be patient and listen and ask questions because, man, somebody around you just needs a listening ear and they don't need you to fix them. They just, they need you to listen for what's going on and that can be real hard because it's the same thing over and over, but it's the patterns. Listen for the patterns. Oh, I hear this thing coming around again. What's the thing underneath of the thing that you're so upset about? Um, with the, what I've been talking about is kind of like maintenance. Uh, in the church body, we have to, you know, this is all the things that we do all day, every day, every week. We come together, we go apart. We come together, we go apart. We, we do this for maintenance. Some days, it's, it may or may not have an impact on you, but uh, somebody here is benefiting from all of us getting together. Hey, Richard. Um, But I have to take us to Revelation 21 because there will come a time, and it's it's real good to be reminded of this. I've, I've probably read this several times when I teach because it's just such a go-to. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more lockdowns or mourning, the loss of your youth and your vigor, your family members, your freedoms, your dexterity. Hmm. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So I don't know what Dave and Ian and I are going to do there because we'll be out of a job, right? He'll be making everything new and there'll be no more rot. There'll be, I kind of think, and I've talked about this before, I kind of think our desires as carpenters will be to make living things into structures. And it's all growing. We remember me talking about this one time, like if you train a tree and it's all growing, but maybe stuff grows really fast and you can train it into the shape of a chair and then just weave it together. And that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. We'll build, build structures like that. It'll be great. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. I will be his God and he will be my son. And then 15, verse 15, skipping forward a little. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out in a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia. And there's 12,000 miles Oh, 1,400 miles. That's a pretty big city. Uh, he found it to be 1,400 miles wide and long and high. So this thing is like a cube. I don't know if you've ever caught that. That's a tall city, 1,400 miles tall as well. We're, I'll go on. He measured its wall and it was 144 cubits thick. That's, that's a thick wall. I, I, don't, I, I can't even conceive of that. If this is a cubit from, from elbow to knuckle, is that what it is? Jameson, you guys use cubits. No? 144 cubits thick. Well, here's what I wanted to get to. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. Foundations decorated with all these different emeralds. The gates are 12 pearls. The great street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And this is a part where yesterday when I was thinking about this, I was just thinking, okay, uh, the gold, the, 
the, the gold represents royalty. It represents permanence. It represents purity, right? It represents value. And I mean, like Dave, you've done gold panning, right? How long does it take for you to get a thimble full of gold in a day? Probably how long? Whole day. And it's astounding when you think about uh, what kind of wealth is that? It's like, it's like the Lord is setting this precedent that the things that you valued on earth, those things are of value, but this is the overwhelming wealth. And that he goes on and says, there's no sun and moon and the Lord himself is the light of the city. The city won't need lights. And that is, that is astounding. It's so different than the way we live. Okay. I talked about pulling splinters out of people. I talked about patterns of sin. Uh, I talked about what we have to look forward to. Um, Romans, one more time. How are we doing on time? I have not the slightest idea. Is it time to quit? 12.24? Okay, cool. Um, last observation. Okay. Leviticus 19.18. You always have to throw in Leviticus. I love that book. It's, it's riveting. If I can find it here. It's hot in here. I did not expect that. I don't know. It's just me. I run hot. Okay. Okay. So... Leviticus 19, it's, uh, he's just talking, this is just the, the heading is various laws. I love the way these are put together. If you just read it randomly, you're like, why are all these things put together? But I think, there, I, think, I think there's a pattern here. So I'll just read a few of them. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. What a strange, what an odd thing to tack on there. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. That's the, that's the part about, you know, don't be afraid to say what needs to be said, but frankly, like kindly, like when you 
have something difficult to say to somebody, you want to say it in a way that they'll go, oh, thank you. That, that's real tough. I can't do it. Uh, and then this, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. And then it gets odd. He says, do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two different kinds of material. Why? Why would he do that? Well, what, I think, just workshop of ideas maybe, I think what he's trying to say is there are things that don't mix. And in us, you can't mix in the spirit of God and revenge. So it's one thing for me to be jumping around cheering that I got this rat killed but it's another thing entirely for me in the last 18 months to be saying in my heart, I want everybody that handled the truth poorly, that dispensed fear porn, that scared the crap out of this population. I want all those people to have their heads shaved and want them paraded naked through the city square. That's, that ain't right. That's not a good spot. But the Lord says... The revenge is not yours to do. And I realized that that's part of why I felt so angry. It's a consistent pattern that has happened to me over and over and over. I won't go into that, but, but the point is, is I can't hang out there. I've got to say, okay, Lord, you take care of those people. It's not my fault. It's, it's, I can't stem the tide of fear. That's up to each and every one of us to clear our hearts of bitterness and fear and all the things that can make us act funny. Okay. Um, so, the psalmist, this is, David felt the way I do. He says in one of the Psalms, not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave and with their tongue, they speak. I don't know what the word was. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, but that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O oh Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Uh, Lord, thank you for this warm gymnasium to meet in. Thank you for a day off and that we have our health and that, uh, and that we have so much abundance. Thank you that our church is not embroiled in a big disaster, a big controversy. Thank you for your spirit and how you guide us into truth, how you bring to mind scripture when we need it, how you give us what to say when we, when we need to say it. Thank you for our coworkers and our supervisors and, 
And begrudgingly, I would say, thank you for the people that give us trouble because it continues to challenge us. Uh, please be with us as we, um, as we gather up, as we have coffee, as we chit-chat. Help each of us to take, uh, to take into account what you've spoken to us by your spirit and the comfort that you want to show us. Help us, help us to remember where, where we are destined for, that this place is not our home and that the kingdom that we wait for is a kingdom not built by human hands. Amen?